Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, anything goes. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Arrieta, and joining me, as always, is Cynthia. Hello. Uh, This week, we have a very special guest, not a current member of the club, (laughs) but an alumni. We have Jacob Carlson. How's it going, everyone? Got that nice peaked audio right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carlson, uh, before we get into it, tell the people a little bit about yourself. What? How did you get involved with the club? What are you doing? Like stuff like that. Well, I'm a, as I said, I'm Jacob Carlson. I joined film club after I transferred from Edmonds Community College, and I was looking for something to do with my free time, and met a great bunch of people. I keep in contact with many of them. And currently, I've, I am a UW graduate, just looking for jobs and watching movies in my free time, so. It sounds like everyone here, we're all yeah. looking for jobs currently, <laughs> yes. internships, and we all are enjoying movies. So, this week, uh, it's a little bit topically relevant, uh, we don't know when this yeah. podcast, we're going to backlog this podcast. <laughs> okay. uh, we usually, uh, we prioritize uh, current members first, and then like when we have uh, like a week where we can't do it, like say like closer to the end of the quarter where everyone's busy. Yeah. We then release like an alumni episode. It's topically so, relevant now. <laughs> yeah, as we're currently speaking. Yeah. Uh, this week, tell us what you brought to the table. Well, what I'm bringing is Unbreakable, M. Night Shyamalan's best film and one of the cult hits from the early 2000s that most people do not know about. One of, like, the, a, a standout superhero film as well. Yes. Yes, in fact, um, it's really a critique on the superhero genre a decade before the superhero genre became a thing. Yeah, yes. so this came out in 2000, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 2000, and which is, again, topical because um, they originally, there's some scenes in it that would not exist in a post-9-11 movie, like trains yeah, crashing, yes, for sure. planes yeah. blowing up. It's just incredibly part of that mm-hmm. 90s, early 2000s era before everything that came earlier, later. So, Carlson, give us a synopsis of the film. For our listeners who, who are familiar with the work, maybe just give us like a little synopsis kind of gets people like so they are like they can be in the conversation yes. without having seen it I think the best way I understand this film is really with this one sentence what if Superman didn't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what if he was unaware of his powers and he lived like blissfully ignorant of everything mm-hmm. um, and then we have the wonderful wonderful chemistry between Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson throughout mm-hmm. the film where their dialogue exchanges are going great and then you ultimately have this critique of superhero genres and just just a really good movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts out with uh, Bruce Willis getting on a train. Yeah. That train crashes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And everyone dies in the train. Yes. Also, everyone's spoilers podcast. I, yeah, this is very. It's your first time tuning in. If it's spoiler filled, uh, if you're regular, you know it's already. Um, so everyone dies except for Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis is not even injured not a single scratch on him and if I make we, I want to talk about that hospital scene real quick okay right um, well or actually train scene because I, I love how it's being shot from the children's viewpoint of it yeah mm-hmm. and, that, and to me I think that goes a part of it into the whole this is a comic book world meant to be encountered through the eyes of children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not to be too meta or anything like that but then later when we get in the hospital scene this is where we start seeing saturation of color that's very common in comic books, and we even have a straight panel shot between yeah. them. Mm-hmm, yeah, so we'll get into that okay. for a second. So, uh, 
back to the synopsis, Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Because that is the something That's I want to talk key. about. Because yeah, there yeah. is there's a lot of frame within frame shots, mm-hmm. and I want to discuss that. Um, so he, Bruce Willis, is like adamant that he is not like the superhero. Super, yeah. He's like, I'm so lucky to have survived. Mm-hmm. But then he's approached by he gets a letter on his dashboard after attending a funeral service, mm-hmm. and the letter says, "How many days have you gotten sick?" Mm-hmm. He has gotten sick. He goes back through his history and starts learning that he can't recall times when he's been sick. And then later on in the film, he can't recall times in which he was injured. He ends up going to the address on the envelope and he meets Elijah. It's not Elijah Glass. It's Elijah something. It's Elijah. So, I mean, I just remember him as Elijah. Yeah. It's Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. Played by Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> who has a rare bone disease where he doesn't produce enough protein and his bones break. And... Part of the synopsis is he's convinced they're superheroes because if he's on one end of the spectrum, there has has to be someone on the other. Yes. Yes. So he thinks that Bruce Willis is a Superman. Mm -hmm. Like, he's unbreakable as a title. He's very strong. Um, And it is a origin story. We'll get into this later (laughs) in terms of how he wants to, Shyamalan wants to frame his films. Yep. But it's an origin story about uh, Bruce Willis kind of discovering that he is a superhero in a mm-hmm. world full of non-superheroes and stuff like that. Yep. There's and a lot of themes. Yes. Particularly, this one is definitely more, so with the synopsis out of the way, we can get into like dissecting. Okay, it. okay. So, this film is definitely a lot more uh, focused than Shyamalan's prior, like, works currently. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, one thing is you could tell people care about Unbreakable. Everyone involved loved this film. I mean, Sam Jackson, Bruce Willis were begging for a sequel for years. With Glass, no one really cared. <laughs> um, you could tell Shamlon didn't care. You could tell Bruce Willis gave up after a certain point. Sam Jackson gave up at a certain point. No one really had passion for it. Yeah, Glass mm-hmm. is very... This could turn this very well. We could very well turn this into a glass podcast. Yeah. Because there's a lot to say about this, especially with, in contrast to Unbreakable. Yes. But let's start off from that point you mentioned before, which was the view from a child's perspective. Yep. Yes. One thing that's very evident and clear at the beginning is the shop within, or the frame within a frame. Yes. yes. Whether it be a frame of a door, mm-hmm. the side of a yes. wall, a person, an alley. a curtain, an alley, yeah. there's always something that's in the foreground of the yes. film that's kind of framing the shot that you're focused on. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was seeing this, it's like it's replicating uh, a convo. Yes. Like you're seeing Congo panels. They're very... You have this wide aspect ratio, but mm-hmm. the focus is very square sometimes. Yep. Um, there's a lot of negative space that's obscured, mm-hmm. and it's intentionally so. Intentionally so. Uh, the opening of the the, po- the movie... I'll say opening of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the opening of the film is, like, discussing, like, how comic books are, like, this really pro... Pro, not prolific, but ubiquitous things. Like yeah. Everyone's reading comic books. Yeah. There's like X amount sold every day. Mm-hmm. This many sold a year. So it's like, it is very much focused on comic books yeah. as like a medium and mm-hmm. how it's like the tropes in them, right? And if I may go further, I mean, part of Mr. Glass's whole viewpoint of the world comes from comic books. Mm-hmm. He, was, yeah. he had a very loving mother who saw him shut out and, he gave, and she gave him comics and encouraged him to go out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and from here we see how he starts to think about things and understand it com- and shows how comic book influences thinking. And at first mm-hmm. you think he's like this crazy dude. Yeah. yeah. You think he's like, because like you're signing with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is the protagonist in this film. Yeah. You side mm-hmm. with him for the most of the film. Um, spoiler, uh, 
Mr. Glass ends up being the villain. Yes. <laughs> a very great scene. <laughs> yes. Mr. Glass is the villain. And you're siding with Bruce Willis because you don't, you like, he can't be a superhero. And then he starts discovering more and more things. And to some extent, you're talking about the child aspect, right? Um, Bruce Willis' son, I should stop calling him Bruce Willis. What's his act? It's David. D- uh, David Dunn. David Dunn. David Dunn, Dunn yeah. David Dunn. Dunn, Dunn. yeah. Um, David Dunn's son, uh, Jacob? No. Jake? I, I want to say Jason. Most, the most prepared podcast <laughs> on the internet. Yes. Um, but his son wants to believe. He's a believer through yeah. and through. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. aligned with Elijah in the sense that he wants to believe that there are heroes out there that will save, that can do special things and have special abilities, which is also another theme that we'll get to later. Yeah. Well, another thing I want to throw out there, it's also very natural for a young son to think his father is super, a superhero. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's the strongest person you know, he does all this stuff for you. And when you look at their interactions, you see him lifting weights, you yeah. see him doing things that would be considered normal father and son activities, but he views as heroic or special. And I also want to give credit to the film where so many films where they go, where there's a flip, he has superpowers, they go, he doesn't really have superpowers, but they wink the whole time he yeah. really does. Mm-hmm. For this, they they keep giving you reasons why he doesn't and prevent mm-hmm. pre- pre- present clear evidence why he doesn't, only for it to be later overturned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to give credit for that. As opposed to Glass, where they are doing, they really have superpowers. Don't worry, just ignore what the crazy lady's saying. Yes. Yes. So in Glass, Glass is like this kind of like this culmination film. It's like smashing together Split in glass and I feel like they're not like when I so this is the first time I saw Unbreakable yeah. to preface this whole argument right I saw glass under having just seen Split yeah. when Bruce Willis came in at the end of Split I was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> you were you were at the screening with me you and it. I were jumping up and down screaming we're getting Unbreakable too. Unbreakable yeah and too. I was like what what is going on I don't know. I hadn't seen the film <laughs> so I had seen Split and I see Glass and then I see Unbreakable when I see Unbreakable it's like a totally different director. There is um, 18 years between the films, yep. right? So there is a, you know, directors evolve and stuff, but Glass is so all over the place with what it's trying to say. It's like kind of commenting on Shaolin's own like abilities. Yep. One of the themes in the films collectively, I think it's in the first one and in Glass, it's talking about like, like what is a special ability, right? Mm-hmm. You have this ability, yeah. people don't like want to acknowledge it, some of the people want to stifle it, and it's just kind of like, you are special, you just mm-hmm. have to believe in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but in Glass, it's like all over the place. And when you get to the, the Memorial Hospital, like the film like gets stuck in this rut of yeah. like self-indulgent meandering. And it's just like all this cryptic talk. Yeah. But this one, it's very, but Unbreakable is very focused. Yep, and another thing is that Elijah gets away with and gla- an unbreakable where he goes, where he lists out comic book tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in glass. It just feels so, like poor exposition at that point. So in this one, Elijah's using it as like a convincing thing. It's like, yeah. this yeah. is the trope. This is what happens in the book. Yep. Um, he makes note of the fact that comic books were originally something much more greater. They reflected mm-hmm. something of society. And then they got put into like these old <laughs> magazines that got sold on stands. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a great scene where he's like, "This is art, yep. not a toy." <laughs> so he really believes in it, but in glass, he's using it as like, "Wait, explain the plot, really?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh, here's this part coming on. Yeah. Here's a uh, here's like the switch. Yeah. Almost like the prestige in the way where he was like, there's always the third." 
part of that trip, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But here he's using it like this convincing motivator, and it's not. It's like commenting on the fact of like the state of superheroes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, this came out in two thousand, so the yeah. whole thing, the only thing you really have at this point is just Batman and Spider. Wasn't the first Spider Man out by then? No. no. It's oh, it's Dark Man. Dark Man came out. What is Dark? What's Dark Man? Oh, Sam. It was like um, Sam Raimi's first superhero movie with um, Liam Neeson. What? He I've gets never like he gets horrible this. chemical burns and and he's like faces all this disfigured and he, but his superpower is he could like put on any disguise what and, the fuck? and he gets revenge. It's like Punisher. It's it was like one of the first super like modern superhero movies. What? Yeah. But Unbreakable comes out in two thousand. X Men, which is like oh yeah, it's, that's it's, happening right. It's came out in two thousand as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. It's not as popular. We talked about the Spider-Man episode. It's not as popular as yeah. Spider-Man when it comes out. So it's, yeah. it's like it exists, but Spider-Man really kind of like pushes off in mm-hmm. that early two thousand superhero phase. And then later, Glass has the ability to like see what is going on with the superhero genre later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like again, like the messaging is so weird because now it's talking about like, do we need superheroes in Glass? And like then he's talking about like his own stuff, like. Shyamalan's own career and how that looks over the, the course of the span yep. mm-hmm. and then you have like the rise of the MCU and how he's addressing tropes in like this revelatory manner and it's just all over the place glasses but like Unbreakable I could not believe when I saw Unbreakable it was like directed by the same person it's <laughs> so different it, and it's great mm-hmm. and then I mean and the, going back to Unbreakable Glass but here's the thing Split and Glass were not so Glass was originally supposed to be the third act of Unbreakable Mm-hmm. And Split, the main villain in that, James McAvoy's character, was supposed to be one of the villains in Unbreakable. He was supposed to be the guy that Bruce Willis fights at the end, um, the guy in the orange jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was originally supposed to be the beast, but M- M.I. Shyamalan wisely decided to cut all that. So what you realize is Split and Glass are not really sequels or parts, but they're really just kind of these fragments of cast aside plot that are just kind of refocused, which is why... Split feels like a, a vignette, and Glasses feels like a one-act movie. Yeah, because that's really true, especially when you consider at the end of Glass, they promise this um, red herring of going to this um, building. You think it's going to be a big standoff there. Yeah. And it's a good fake-out. Yeah. It's a good fake-out because it's trying to lead you down this one path, but then it like, switches it up at the end. Yeah, Glass is just... A, like, but we shouldn't let's talk about Unbreakable because <laughs> people are like well yeah, yeah people yeah. by this time people don't have seen it yeah um, we're not like to explain like everything in glass would be very hard because it's all over the place but let's go back to Unbreakable mm-hmm. because there is like this let's talk about the special abilities right yes mm-hmm. it's very standard superhero stuff it's he he's super strong yeah and he can't be hurt he can't fly but that's as basic as you get with superhero powers. And he has the, he has the, touch. the touch, touch ability. Yes, and for those, what he could do is he could touch people and essentially know what crimes they've committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's brief low flashes, so there's actually a really cool scene where he goes to a subway, spreads his arms out, and he sees everyone's crimes, small <laughs> um, to the one of the principal villains in the show, and this is how, at the end, he finally catches Elijah, because Elijah offers to shake his hand. Yeah knowing his power and it's just a really cool scene because um because one one really good thing is Elijah and David Dunn's characters are friends 
Mm-hmm. Yes. They, they, they're friends and they're, they interact well together and they're great to see together. And he screams, you know, he's screaming as Bruce Willis is leaving. He's going, you know how we're, you know how you can tell who the villain is? He's often the hero's best friend. Yeah. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, but like the scene in the subway is like where he accepts his superpowers. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's no longer he's just, not like, like casting them aside yeah. and denying it. He's like accepting them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's another part when you talk about the, his marriage and the, the pressure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is a, you say a washed up football, football star. star yeah. yeah. But another twist in the film is that he never was injured at the end. Yeah. So leading up to this film, or leading up to like, I guess the third act, this mm-hmm. re- revelation happens in the third act. Yeah. But leading up, you're caused to believe that he was actually injured. Yeah. One of the kind of deniabilities that yeah. David has is that because I was injured when I was in college and that's why I am a security guard no longer playing football. Yeah. And that's why I'm not a superhero because yeah. I've been injured. But it's later revealed that he was never injured. Um, he uses his powers back then in college to save his wife mm-hmm. or his then girlfriend yeah. and he gives up football for his wife. Yeah. Now he's feeling like this remorse later on that He's like the marriage is a little bit on rocks. dire straits yeah. on the rocks, um, and now he's uh, he's like questioning. He's like, "Is I gave up my whole career?" And he's trying to decide he wants to go back to New York. Mm-hmm. He runs security for a local college uh, football team. Of course, team. he played that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and that's what I want to talk about because there's a great scene because they're trying to reconnect with their marriage. And I have to. I mean, you were female characters in superhero movies are often I just feel like an afterthought or a series of tropes but in Unbreakable mm-hmm. this feels like a real marriage his wife feels like this is a real wife who she's not some shrill heartbeat going you know you can't do that she's a real person yeah. that loves and they love each other but there's a really great scene where they're trying to reconnect and she goes do you resent us for what happened yeah yeah. and, and that's when and then afterwards you know he discovers his superhero he accepts he's a superhero but you see how he's kind of been depressed and he's been blaming subconsciously his wife on his failures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, it, that's another testament to why I think this film resonates or stands out from the normal superhero films is that it's not, it, it's not like dealing in like this, um, like the parameters of the world are much different than you would see in the MCU. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like Bruce Willis is not like going out, jumping around, fighting a villain, right? No. Mm-hmm. It could have gone that way if we had if he had included the James McAvoy character, yeah. right? Yeah. But he um, very much doesn't want it in a way. Powers. Kind of. Like in yeah. the first two acts. He very much does not want it where I feel like a lot of superhero movies now, they're all like all for it. Well, the, it's like within two seconds of them getting the powers. Yeah. Like, well, I'm super suit up and ready yeah. to go. Also, he has a gun. What superhero has a gun, right? He uses a gun. Yeah. Who does? Bruce Willis' character, he has a gun to protect his home at the Oh, beginning. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, don't, you never see superheroes with guns, really. Oh, yeah, but that's like because he didn't know. Well, yeah, yeah that's what he didn't know. But that's my thing, though. It's like, he does. he's just a normal person. He, he, he doesn't think he's secretly super because he carries a gun for protection. And that goes back mm-hmm. to, like, the point in Glass where, he, like, Elijah's like, I'm, I'm making the origin story to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I'm starting it. Which is weird because, um, I guess Elijah's stance in... In glass, yeah. the mm-hmm. this, is that he is awakening these people to realize that their abilities, and it's the same thing that carries over from Unbreakable, yeah. is that these abilities are things people need, right? At the end of the film, he sees the newspaper and they label 
the overseer, as yeah. the name he gets in class, not mentioned once in this book. No, 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 it's not. Also, another thing is because in Glass, you know, if you just believe Harnup, but well, there's a really good scene in Unbreakable where his son gets in a fight um, because they're picking on a girl. Bullies are picking on a girl, and he gets in a fight, and he goes, "I thought because I was like your son, I could be like you." Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, I think, therefore I am. It's there are some people with innate abilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's also, it's like the inspiration, right? It's the yeah. inspiration of the hero to do the right thing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You have this ability that you have a David duty. has. Yeah. 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 And he ends up taking on the things. Like, right, we talked about the subway scene prior. Yeah. Uh, when he starts feeling everyone, he's like basically picking a target. Yeah. And then he goes and does a heroic act, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the same way, it's like, like it's like a, a through line with glass is that to be the hero, you have to like know that your abilities may not be, they are different, but they are to be accepted by yourself, even though a lot of people may not accept them. And speaking of themes, I want to talk about something, because we mentioned earlier how this was an early 2000s movie. Mm-hmm. But I do think some of it would have carried over past 9-11, because there's a thing where Elisha looks at the world. And you know what he sees? He sees crime. He sees poverty. He sees terrorism um he sees all these terrible things right mm-hmm. but these don't exist in superhero books right there's no 9-11 there's no terrorists right you have superheroes and i think a big part of his motivation is we need hero we need villains true villains like elijah to motivate the for the hero to come out and make us better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's just to me it's just a very response to the modern millennium right it's just we're, we're grown up this is post watchmen we don't need superheroes anymore Mm-hmm. And here he is going, well, we do need them. They make us better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, going off of that, it's, like, Shaman's really trying to, like, address the genre. But he's not really addressing a genre, so to speak. He's addressing more of the comic books at this point. Right? Yes. Yeah. At this point, the superhero genre isn't as fully fledged as it is now. No, it's it's the comic. It's always been called a comic book movie at the time, not a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, addressing these tropes in a way that is more akin to the source material and he's doing mm-hmm. it in a way that's not based on any one character. Yes. Mm-hmm. It may take inspiration and I mentioned like Superman. Um, they have Marvel Comics in the shots yeah. with uh, Elijah. Yeah. Um, another frame within a frame. It's just him bordered by comics yeah. in the comic <laughs> shop. But it's addressing a source material thing and, and that's kind of going what you're saying it's like more tangibly based in the real world which I think is why it stands out more. Yes. It's well, more well regarded in terms of uh, the, like, it's not serving a greater genre it's not feeding a sequel it's not yeah. feeding a, a universe it's it's a, a was a standalone film at the time yes yeah. with no attention <laughs> being having a sequel yeah well what really? I thought you said Bruce was Willis and Split was they, they were begging for a sequel for years okay so um, it wasn't it wasn't Shyamalan's intention as far as we know now he's walked that back in earlier interviews he said this was it, um, and then later he's come well. Now there's gonna be sequels. Okay. So he's kind of cow. changed his <laughs> mind over the years and his relationship to it, I guess. Did you guys know that Samuel L. Jackson is currently? Yeah, wait, first of all, how old do you guys think Samuel L. Jackson? Is? He's like in his sixties, seventies, like, right? He's old. Yeah, sixties. Carlson got right. He's yeah. seventy years old. Yeah. Did oh. not know that he is seventy years old at the time he of last year's release. He looks great for his age. Yeah. 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 Did, I didn't like. I you'd seen the headline that's like uh, Samuel L. Jackson is older than his mom. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't bother with the comment. Like, that's not a, a headline in your email. He is 70 years old. He looks great. So, if I may kind of piggyback the, off that, because you right. mentioned the mom, because a big part of the film is also parents. Yeah. Yes. Carlson's rightful king is back on track. I was talking about yeah. age. Yeah. Um, Go off that point. Because um, Elijah's mother, she's a wonderful, she's not a stereotypical supervillain mother mm-hmm. of, I'm going to torture you. She's a wonderful, loving mother yeah. who cares for her son. Mm-hmm. Right? David's trying, David and his wife are trying to provide for their son, be, take care of them, him. Right? And it's mm-hmm. a big part of the movie is the relationship between the father and son. And I think that's some kind of lacking in glass where there's not really this greater relationship between characters. Well, you kind of get that, but it's like not as personal, right? You get yeah. those three, it's, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, it's David's son, yeah. and the mom. And they're like this awkward, like, kind of subplot in yeah. Glass, where they're like, they're all banding together trying to get their respective person out of the, yeah. the thing. And it's not as personal. Yeah. You do get, I feel like, um, the mom plays a little bit more of a role, because she's only in the film... Uh, like two scenes, right? It's the present scene, yeah. and yeah. it's the opening scene. And then at the end. At the end when he, she talks to she talks oh, yeah, David, yeah, 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 and she's right, like, right. that's when they like introduce the arch nemesis concept. Kind of yeah, like, there's, there's a two villains. There's, yeah. there's the bruiser, and then there's the guy behind him. Yeah, who's your friend. <laughs> and also, I mean, another thing, M.I. Shyamalan, where his craftsmanship, for his first three films, he's able to do these bold face, I'm telling you the twist right now, and still surprise you. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. did anyone predict the twist? I mean, you 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 came later, but did you predict the twist when you first saw it? No, but like, I feel like I watched it with a bunch of people who haven't yesterday, mm-hmm. and I think like the saturation of superhero films have come to the point where like that twist becomes a little more predictable now. Mm-hmm. Of like the person you're closest is your arch nemesis. I think that trope has been overused a lot mm-hmm. now. But when I first watched it, I, and I had no clue what was going on, yeah. didn't even know. Too many points to talk about Glass, because now having seen Unbreakable, <laughs> it kind of contextualizes things. It yeah. makes me like, I don't think it makes Glass better, in my opinion. It just makes certain points more informed. So like, there's that point in Glass where James McAvoy's dad, so James McAvoy's character mm-hmm. originally gets, his origin story is that his dad dies, and he has a bad upbringing with his mom. And that's what causes him to have this um, personality, like multiple personalities. And Elijah is to reveal that James McAvoy's dad was also on the train. So Elijah's (laughs) like, I consequently with my actions created two superheroes. And he calls him a superhero. He calls James McAvoy's character a superhero, but he's really just Buffalo Bill. (laughs) Right? Wait, does he call him heroes or does he call him like... He calls them heroes. They keep they keep getting called heroes throughout the whole thing, like even um, Elijah's character. I guess that goes into the point of like what is their own like prerogative. Yeah. Right? yeah. So like Elijah's prerogative is like he like he's acting in a way he's like creating all these acts of terrorism. Yeah. Because he thinks he's doing this city good by finding the heroes and mm-hmm. giving people something more. Like he feels as himself. He's like very fragile, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, to some degree, can't be the person that Bruce Willis's character is, and Bruce Willis can be the hero yeah. that's on the other end of that spectrum that talks mm-hmm. about. Yeah, um, where it's like there's polar opposites, and I guess James McAvoy's character is like somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. I mean, I felt. I mean, because here they because here they presented like two opposite sides, and then Glass yeah. they like they're like this linear line is now like 
multiple because at the end of glass it's like it reveals like there's multiple kingdoms yeah. there's multiple origins there's multiple kingdoms. <laughs> also there's like a secret society yeah glass I, that, oh god I hate that secret society because stuff. like at first like I saw the clover and I'm like oh this is clearly something in Unbreakable yeah. I did not see mm-hmm. I'm not getting the context out of it. nope this completely <laughs> new they introduced the, this clover thing and at first they're like it's so obvious when they see it on his wrist it's like yeah. okay we're obviously seeing mm-hmm. it's like it's like a black it's like a black matte gun yeah. black gloves black arm sleeve and it's one little bit of his skin showing yeah. and it's just a clover it's like okay <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I I don't want to talk about glass it's just such a disappointment as an unbreakable fan I don't know I'm like I, I apologize for constantly bringing in glass because yeah. that's the only thing I can like reference it back to yeah, yeah, yeah. references between them now yeah. no and, and that's a thing um because the films do, I mean, in theory, they do build up. Like I said, this was originally supposed to be the third act. But I don't, I just, I think what, they just take what was originally there and repurpose it a little bit? And was that it? I'm very curious to know the production of Glass. Well, like, Glass, so M. Night Shyamalan uh, has been financing his own movies recently, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he got to the point where he said, uh, and to be fair, I didn't know you were going to pick Unbreakable, so I had already started listening to uh, the Blank Check podcast <laughs> episode of Glass. So if you see any crossover between this episode and that in terms of ideas, you know where I found it. <laughs> this backstory is basically from them. Yeah. Uh, so basically, M.I. Shyamalan has been funding his own movies recently, right? Yeah. You know, after Last Earth, what is it? No, The Last Airbender and that Earth that movie. Yeah, that Will Scientology film, yeah. pretty much. Uh, can you remember the name? But he like not he's not getting money. He's yeah. like struggling. Um, he apparently takes out a mortgage on his house to fund these films. He self funds. Uh, I think. I know he did the, the visit. The visit is that the Blumhouse? No, that was Blumhouse. But Split and Split self funded, and so is Glass. Yes. Um, and the thing they say in the Blank Check podcast is uh, that Shyamalan wanted to, like, feel like he was taking risks again, right? He wanted <laughs> to, like, apparently wanted uh, to feel that pressure that he needs to take a risk and then in order to, like, get back to that original mode of filmmaking that he mm-hmm. had when he was a younger film director that wasn't as well-known. But that's the story behind, I guess, Glass, that he probably made Split as, like, an idea. He probably took that defunct third act that he did yeah and evolved it more mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's that's the stuff I know from my backstory so you mentioned the Scientology film and I have uh, is it a Scientology I don't know no, I no, yeah there was a Scientology film it basically was but there, are, there are a lot of Scientology themes in Split and Glass that aren't in Unbreakable and I don't know if it's if he's a Scientologist or <laughs> if he's friendly with it but big part of, psych- of Scientology is one Psychologists are just all quacks, and so in Glass and uh, and Split, mm-hmm. there's a psychologist who's either a villain or encouraging the villain, and they're mm-hmm. absolute quacks, right? <laughs> um, and then two, what's really weird is how they treat, and this also does with Scientology, is how they treat homosexuality, because mm-hmm. James McAvoy's character in Split is essentially they're going, if you get met, if you're being abused, mm-hmm. you become gay or trans. Yeah. Which is messed up, but then in Split, I mean, not in Split, in Glass, they li- have literal shock therapy and a woman's love to cure him. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's some weird messaging here. There's also like this very problematic depiction of associate personality disorder. Yeah, no, my cousin's a psychologist and she says it's like. Apparently, it's like based on like a kernel of like like science that's not, that's highly disputed. And people are like, one of the controversies coming out with Split and then subsequently Glass was that he was presenting this. this diagnosis that was vaguely true yeah, into like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was the controversy behind that aspect of those films. Yeah. Oh gosh, is Shyamalan a secret Scientologist? I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> and what's weird though, because Unbreakable, I mean, it's so it's such a self-contained film. Yes, definitely. It, it really, it, I mean, you could you really could have just walked away from that, and then mm-hmm. with the themes, they're also in direct reference to the film. He's not talking about really mm-hmm. broader themes. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some, but it's really all about the film itself. Yeah. And that's just not there in Splitting Glass, where he wants to make a meta commentary. Mm-hmm. I think that with like. Unbreakable, it was released in 2000s. He wasn't necessarily responding. He didn't feel like, I feel like he didn't me- feel the need to respond to like cult, like pop culture the yeah. way he probably did, felt like he needed to with Split and Glass. Yeah. And I think he loses. I haven't seen Glass, but I saw Split and I'm fine with Split. It's yeah. like a fine movie, but like compared to Unbreakable, I think he just loses himself trying to answer all these questions that aren't even there. Well, I read a great article, and I think it was Fulcher, someone, so don't, don't accuse me of plagiarism, someone wrote this, so I'm, I'm just quoting here. Mm-hmm. They talk about how these films, sorry, these films <laughs> deal with toxic fandoms, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, because when he made Unbreakable, comic books were still, they were about to go big, right? Yeah. I mean, pop, pop culture big. Mm-hmm. But they were still relatively Like minor. a contained niche thing. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, the same with games, which was, um, a lot of this stuff was still relatively Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, they, everyone knew what they were. And people yeah. were familiar with them. But they're not the level of mainstream pop culture yes. they were now. But now they are. And I think we're kind of seeing the nature of the transition from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything that was Unbreakable is an incredibly grounded movie. I mean, yes. yeah, if the listener you're not covering it, it's very much out any superhero film. What if there really were superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glass becomes so grounded at the end. I was expecting people to Superman fly into the air with their hand <laughs> up. And it's just, it, it really part of it, it's just this end I now understand why people love Unbreakable. And <laughs> and I think also part of the problem is making a sequel to Unbreakable because over the years I've thought, well, what if I could have done a sequel to Unbreakable, right? Yeah. And I've come up with my plans. But ultimately what I realized though is how I want to do it ultimately leaves the grounded. Mm-hmm. nature of Unbreakable and I think that also goes into comic books with you know multiple serial runs and um, and you, each one like man that was a great arc and all this great stuff happens well here comes the next comic book and everything's been undone mm-hmm. um, and I think it kind of plays into the nature of the medium where each sequel kind of becomes a little bit more derivative it forgets a little bit why people like this or someone comes in with a new mindset yeah yeah Alright, well, uh, we get like a lot of the uh, the main points that we want to talk about. Let's go into final thoughts. We'll start with Cynthia. Okay. Um, as what you said, Carlson, um, what makes this film really good is that it is really grounded, and especially grounded in realism. I feel like a lot of the things that happen are things that real people deal with, whether it be like a subconscious de- blaming or s- depression or like this want of something better 
going back to it now, I with Shyamalan's reputation and the whole twist thing, I feel like when I went back, I really wanted to nail that part and see, oh, does the twist hold up? And it still does in a sense, but I feel like with Shyamalan's reputation, it's kind of gotten ruined a little bit. Like even like in anticipation to Glass, like I know like a twist is going to happen or he's going to try to implement something to like fake us out and be like, oh, I gotcha. I don't know. Yeah, I really like Unbreakable. What happened to you and my Shyamalan? <laughs> yeah. And my Shyamalan is eventually a director whose filmography I want to uh, like go through because there is such mm-hmm. a... Like, like it is like people are... The, 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 the Science, Unbreakable, Glut... I mean, no, Six Sense. Six Sense. Those are three amazing films. Yeah, and like then the narrative... Makes, like, the prevailing narrative is that there is this very big backlash to a lot of his films like Lady in the Water oh, wow. Happening Avatar After Avatar Earth. yeah there was this huge God. backlash to him and now people even though we both hate Glass I do I have seen people on Twitter who say they really like it or whether it's on Letterboxd I see mm-hmm. people who have very positive reviews of it The Visit is very I think it's pretty good oh, I love The Visit I thought it was a pretty good return to form that um, where it's low budget suspenseful Fun movie, and then Six Sense, while problematic, was decent. How much money did he, was he given for these, like the good films? Because he, I feel like he loses control when he's given too much. Money. Yeah, there's actually a um, graph with Rotten Tomato scores versus budget. The higher the Rotten Tomato score, the less money he had. Because yeah. like Avatar, I feel like he was given like all the money in the world to do, and that movie's garbage. Well, same with be, After Earth. To be fair, though, like. We're talking about Breakable now because it is a cold classic. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it now. Only 65% on, on Rotten Tomatoes at launch. It was it barely made money, um, which is why any future plans were immediately dashed at the mm-hmm. time. Um, it was a film that no one really appreciated at the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, it's easier to appreciate now because of how much <laughs> superhero and comics has become a zeitgeist. And, and the 2000s, no one gave a shit. Well, and I think that's the thing. It's just, it was really just a decade ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. I, I really tell people now, like, just watch Unbreakable. It, it's, people go low into the deconstruction of superhero mm-hmm. films. It's not. It's very much a superhero it, film. It's very with all the tropes. I mean, there are tropes that, like, he does that explicitly, like, reverse some things, yeah. but it's very much a superhero film. You just, just for the people at home, I'm a big box office guy. Budget, $75 million. Domestic gross ninety five million. That's not good That's domestically, not good. but the foreign gross was one fifty three million. So about two fifty three, two forty eight yeah. total. But I don't understand. Sometimes I don't understand. I mean, on paper that sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why he got to do um, his next project, which is Sign. Yeah, right? Sign. Because it went six cents, some breakable science. It's yes. golden three. Yeah. 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 And then. <laughs> I mean, 75 to 248 is a, like a decent multiplier. Yeah. You, you have to assume they put some marketing into it, which is probably mm-hmm. at least 30 million. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I heard was from the pro- executive producer, he said the marketing really screwed them. Mm. Oh, I heard that Shyamalan like hated the marketing for the, Unbreakable because they made it into like such a dark and heavy thing. Yeah, and that was now he's going. I I hear like everyone kind of puts a sink on the marketing on that one. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Disney who distributed this movie? Yes, yeah, Touchstone, which um, Touchstone, which was a property of Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they're more mature, adult-oriented <laughs> yeah. brand. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I say thirty million dollars for a promo budget, but I don't know where to because that's like in line with like 
the general thing, like they never release marketing budgets, but I always try to assume a third to a half, right? Especially mm-hmm. if it's a very big blockbuster. Yeah. But this is like a superhero film at a time when like... Superheroes aren't... Well, that, let's call it what it was, a comic book movie. Yeah. That's okay, what it was yeah. called at the time. Also, another point, another point from the Blank Check podcast yeah. was that apparently Disney did not want them using comic book at the time because they were like, oh, it's... It's a comic book. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's a bunch of like nerds reading comic books, and they didn't want to associate themselves. So when they, so when they they when they were trying to distribute it and market it, they were just like trying to tone down that kind of rhetoric and language. The first with, scene is literally like, yeah, bunch of people digest comic books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Carlson, final thoughts. I think Unbreakable is a great cult classic. I'm glad it's maintained its presence and it's only become more relevant with the rising superhero. Well, rising, it has risen to Mount Olympus but, uh, <laughs> with the superhero genre. I highly recommend to anyone. I, I rest my case on he was, and my Shyamalan was a good director. You're going to have a ton of fun watching this movie. You're going to have a good time watching it. It's fun to think about. Just don't watch any of the sequels after it. Because <laughs> Split and Glass don't really understand what makes Unbreakable great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, here's a million dollar question now. Yeah. What if he did? What we would we see the fourth film in this universe that oh. he's clearly planning? Uh, oh, I mean, I well, what's will, the, what's the, but I what's feel like the, I will. Or was the box office hall from this? I don't know yet, but it seemed like he was planning to make this into a universe. Oh yeah, for sure. The, the, yeah. He's trying to do like a Marvel. The last yeah, one was good. very much like, oh, look how they're all connected. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe spoiler doesn't he kill? He kills off all this. His three leading Yeah, trios. but they're also expensive actors. Yeah. <laughs> you can get cheap actors now. Maybe Anya Taylor and Joey's origin stories of yeah. one of the I mean, I think I will go watch it just because, I don't know, I'm interested, but. Go to like a $5 Tuesday or something. Yeah. yeah. yeah like how, like, I'm, I'll watch a Marvel film, but like. Yeah. Uh... I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to see the next Infinity War. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to see it. Yeah. I feel like. I say you gotta see it because now it's in the zeitgeist, yeah. right? So I'll go to some of these screenings just because I want to be like in the conversation. Yeah. If I'm at film club, I want to be able to like talk s- to someone, speak about yeah. it, right? Yeah. If someone says it, um, so I try to go as many screenings as I can. Um, but like, like it, you're not at like the same time, really like, pumped for it. <laughs> well, no, it's not like you know, like I was pumped for Glass. Right? Yeah, I yeah. was like, I am excited for this. I and I just. I'm not pumped for these Marvel movies. They're just a drain and it's not mm-hmm. fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is also like our, this is our third episode of Superheroes. We did yes. Batman. We did <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But we've like explicitly it. avoided the MCU. Like Spider-Man is like before the MCU. Yeah. I, mean, the <laughs> I feel like those are good. These three are like good tasteful picks in terms yeah. of like superhero films we're not it's a good way to comment on the superhero genre now well how it kind of transformed from the early 2000s to Ooh, this clusterfuck that we have yeah yeah, um, yeah. we just did like three superhero films but if you like Maybe the like, MCU that's great I mean I'm not making All any personal judgments <laughs> yeah if you like the MCU more power to you. You more pro- yeah. You are the target demographic. You're the normal people. We're the weirdos right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I showed it to a friend of mine who's like super into Marvel. Yeah. I, Isaac. Yeah, I showed it. I watched it with Isaac. Go listen to our podcast Five Minutes with Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Get to know him or come to club. Yeah. Um, 
But with that being said, you can find us on Facebook at UW Film Club. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW. Uh, we post a podcast every Monday at 8 a.m. on Spotify, <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play if you're yeah. an Android user. But you got to get a separate app for that. Very pain in the ass. Um, please use our Amazon Smile Links or Mac Weldon. Our Blue Apron. Hello our Wix. Fresh. We transfer. Squarespace. And please show up to club. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, I haven't plugged this in a while. You know, if you're listening, you know, give us a little like and favorite, yeah. comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Yeah. Especially uh, on the iTunes. Give us that, like, five stars. Or, give us those five like, stars. Or a review. Yeah, a review would be nice. Yeah. A very non-biased review. Yeah, a very non-biased yeah. review. <laughs> Did you see Sierra's review on there? No. Sierra put a review on there. It's like, I, a very unbiased opinion, <laughs> love this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Carlson, thanks for coming on. Thank, Thank you for having you. me, guys. I'm happy to be here. We appreciate alumni. You know, we don't have, like, I was talking to Jane about this. Uh, we don't have like an alumni association. <laughs> Film Club Alumni yeah. Association. I was like, I was pestering, pestering Jamie. I'm like, where are your alumni dudes? Where's your <laughs> contribution check? <laughs> um, but yeah, Carlson, thanks for bringing us on. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I finally have to see Unbreakable now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it completes the trilogy, not in the right order for me. You went like backwards. Yeah, <laughs> started in the middle. Oh, around, okay. Split glass, Unbreakable. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Please listen next week and uh, signing off. Bye, guys. Bye.